Welcome into the Fog Dot Podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas beat West Virginia 60-53 to to kick off Big 12 play. And man, when Bill Self said that this game was going to be a fist fight, uh, he was dead on. Uh, that was a physical contest, uh, a good solid win for Kansas, and a good come-from-behind win. Uh, definitely a little bit of a gut check there at halftime for Kansas to be trailing by six and to really not play well at all in the first half, come back, and get the win at home uh, to start off Big 12 play on a real high note. Uh, give you an idea of what we'll talk about today on the podcast. It'll be mostly focusing on kind of my big three takeaways from the game. Um, I think that for a game like this to kick off Big 12 play, I think you kind of learned a lot about Kansas, where they're at right now, um, and maybe who Bill Self kind of is trusting right now. And I'll kind of use that to lead into the first big takeaway I had was after the game, Bill Self said that he needed his toughest guys on the floor uh, in that second half. So he comes out of halftime, uh, replaces Dave McCormick with Christian Brown. And then Christian Brown goes on to play 20 minutes in the second half. Uh, doesn't come out the first time he's done that uh, in his college basketball career. And it happens to be, you know, in a big environment, Big 12 play uh, against a really physical West Virginia team. And I thought that that comment from Bill Self was really interesting. Uh, I think it speaks real highly of where he thinks Christian Brown can go uh, in terms of development this season. You know, he said at the end, uh, and this is what I wrote my postgame story on, was just how Brown kind of allowed Kansas to expand. You know, he brought the effort plays that maybe weren't as uh, prevalent in the first half. You know, he allowed Kansas to be quicker on the perimeter. Uh, and Bill Self said you could certainly see Christian Brown playing a lot more going forward. And I think you've seen some exponential growth from Brown over the past three or four weeks. Um, you think back to early in the season, you know, he wasn't able to play as much. He played at the, in crunch time against Duke, but after that one, KU got Isaiah Moss back. His playing time went down, and he showed a lot of grit uh, to be able to come in. I mean, as a true freshman, not play in that environment before against, you know, a physical team like West Virginia, you know, that really did impress me. And for that comment from Bill Self to say that he, you know, wanted his toughest guys out there, you know, Isaiah Moss didn't play much in the second half. Tristan Anaruna didn't take the floor in the second half. Uh, I think those are two guys that maybe, I don't think, I think Bill Self is, you know, picks his words very carefully. And he's not one to beat around the bush when he thinks things are uh, not going correctly. And he will talk about that. But I think that th- those comments were not necessarily pinpointed towards Tristan Anaruna and Isaiah Moss. But I think it pinpoints to where, uh, where he thinks that those two need to improve. Uh, he said that no high school can prep you for what you have to go through in Big 12 play and playing against a tough team like West Virginia. Uh, and I think that that's probably true for someone like Tristan Anaruna. Uh, coming from high school, Wasatch Academy, you know, that's a darn good high school for basketball. Uh, but there's something different about playing against the big boys uh, in the Big 12. And for Isaiah Moss, you play in the Big 10 for three seasons for Iowa. The uh, Big 10 is a solid conference. You think about teams like Michigan State. Michigan, uh, Wisconsin with you know, Hap uh, in the last couple years, Ohio State, but it feels like the Big 12 is just a different level of teams uh, in it. And I think for Isaiah Moss, you saw that maybe a little bit of a learning curve in trying to adapt to just the level of play in the Big 12. 
And we've seen some up and down performances from Isaiah Moss. Yeah, he shot the ball well against Stanford. But the thing with him right now is when he is not shooting the ball, he's not bringing a whole lot else to the table. So I do think that that was not necessarily him saying, you know, these two are soft guys. I think it's just a uh, fact of the matter that it's, it may take a couple weeks for both Anaruna, Moss, and even for Brown to some degree uh, to get used to playing these physical games twice a week, uh, you know, in this kind of unrelenting schedule where you've got to play everybody twice. You know, the second time around, teams are going to know your tendencies like the back of their hand, and they're going to be able to take advantage of them. Uh, I think for and Aruna, this maybe wasn't the best matchup for him. You think about his skill set being more of a, a stretch four that can guard guys on the perimeter, come up with you know effort plays, blocks, get his hands in passing lanes. Against a team like West Virginia, that's going to play some two bigs, and those two bigs are big dudes. Uh, you think about you know uh, Oscar. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. I'm just going to refer to him as Oscar for the rest of the podcast. But you know he's a big dude, just burly and physical. Culver as well is not a small guy. Definitely doesn't have the muscle mass of Oscar, but he definitely can still pound you inside. So maybe that wasn't the best matchup for Enaruna, but I think what Bill Self did with his with the rotations, especially in the second half, I think showed you who he trusts at this point in time. So the second big takeaway I had, uh, it felt like you know that this was going to be the perfect game for Kansas to play some two bigs. Uh, maybe David and Silvio could get some extra run. Not necessarily, you know, have performances like Dave had against Kansas City uh, a few weeks ago, but where maybe they could at least have some production, uh, get some more minutes, and that just wasn't the case. You know, KU's two big looks definitely struggled. They only played two bigs for eight minutes and 24 seconds of game time. Uh, you know, in that span, you know, that's including, you know, the Doke Dave lineups, you know, Udoke and Silvio, and even David and Silvio got a little bit of run together. Um, Kansas was outscored by six. Uh, you know, it's interesting that that's the halftime margin. You know, KU definitely did not play uh, two bigs for the entire first half, but they were outscored by six. Uh, and KU didn't go to as much in the second half, just over three minutes of two bigs in the second half. And Kansas was outscored four to two uh, in that time. And I thought it was interesting the timing of that too. When KU did go to two bigs, uh, it was to get some of the four guard guys a little bit of rest. Um, Ochai, Devon, and Christian played every minute of the second half, but after a while, you know, Dope can't go and play every minute of a half. Just physically, that's not, uh, that's just not in the cards for him. Just for how big he plays, you know, being in the post, uh, he's not going to be able to play, you know, 30 plus minutes a game. So he's going to have to take some rest. I thought it was interesting that, you know, Bill Self did go to two bigs without Doke uh, on the floor. You know, Silvio came in, ate up some fouls, uh, had the opportunity to, to get a bucket, but didn't fall. And it feels like right now, uh, for KU's two big looks, I'm a little skeptical if they'll be able to use the two bigs with Marcus Garrett on the floor. Um, you know, Marcus missed both of his three-point shots. Uh, he's definitely not shot the ball too well after, you know, the couple games this season. You think about against Kansas City, he makes a couple of threes. Uh, it feels like for Marcus, those threes are going to come in bunches. And if he's not going to be making those threes, it, it doesn't feel like you can go with the lineup, you know, uh, the starting lineup of Devon, Ochai, Marcus, David, and Doke, uh, just because there's not going to be, A, enough driving lanes for guys and just not enough space for that second big to be able to do stuff. So maybe you see Bill Self, if he wants to continue to do two bigs, uh, maybe you see him tinker with throwing Isaiah Moss in there for Marcus to get Marcus some rest. 
maybe that helps spread the floor. But I think the big thing that's going to that's gonna drive the two big looks is going to be if David McCormick and Silvio can make those mid-range shots. Uh, you saw it against Kansas City with Dave, you know, at the beginning of that game, uh, Kansas City kind of sagged off him, gave extra bodies at Doak, and let David shoot, and he made them pay for it. And then eventually they had to spread out and close out on him, and that opened up a little bit more for Doak inside. So, you know, for KU's two big looks, it, it's going to take a while. And it, it from the beginning of the season to now, it's hard to see the progress that you, know, you would think in theory should have been made at this point in the season. You know, you're basically uh, halfway through the season at this point, and it still feels like you're at square one, if not square one, maybe a few steps past that. But you're not where you need to be for, as Bill Self said, you know, for Kansas to go far in March, he felt like they need to play two bigs. And it does not feel like that is the case right now. I also thought it was interesting that, you know, West Virginia played with Culver and Oscar for 16 minutes of game time. Uh, so Kansas did not match them with the two bigs. You know, they played small against it for, you know, about eight minutes of time with Marcus Garrett taking on Culver. And, it, you know, Marcus Garrett just showed his versatility uh, against West Virginia with his ability to take on, you know, a guy like Culver who's just big, can post you up, and Marcus Garrett was able to hold the zone. Now, granted, they did send extra bodies at Culver when he had Garrett posted up. but And then on the offensive end from Garrett, you saw the lobs that he threw, uh, what he was able to create off the bounce. Uh, so for the two bigs, you know, it, it's definitely going to be a work in progress. It's kind of concerning that this should have been a game where, you know, Doak, Silvio, able to play together, Doak, David, able to play together, you know, for any of those lineup combinations, this should have been the game where they are able to get some minutes together and to see some production. So the final kind of big takeaway I had, and I think this is probably the biggest positive, you know, you could take away from the game. It's just uh, cage defense is, is legit. And I, I think this stat kind of backs it up. We'll talk about some of the intricacies of the performance here in a second. But as of right now, um, recording this uh, Sunday afternoon, According to Ken Palm, you know, KU has an adjusted defensive rating, tempo-free, that is, uh, of 84. That's the best of the Bill Self era. So, of course, you still have conference play to go, uh, you know, half the season to go, so things can change. But for right now, this is a historically good defense for Kansas. And I think you've seen a little bit of the strategy and the formula for how this defense can be elite, can, you know, going forward. Uh, the two bigs are not going to be how that happens. You know, I think with we've seen with David and Silvio that they can get exposed at times with more mobile four men. And even you think about uh, Obi Toppin from Dayton, who was able to get going a little bit uh, later on in the game against KU. Uh, you know, it's going to be four guards around Doak. And what I think what you could see in that game was West Virginia was a little bit afraid to drive. You know, and what happens is, is Doak is sitting there in the middle of the paint and he came up with a career-high amount of blocks uh, in the win. And for opposing teams, you're not going to want to drive right at Doak because he is such a big presence at the rim. So what that forces teams to do, I think that's a big contributor to why teams are shooting so many threes against Kansas. You know, teams are still shooting 47% of their shots uh, are coming from behind the three-point line. And I think that's a byproduct of not necessarily wanting to continuously drive into the paint where you can 
you know, get your shots blocked by Doke. And Doke doesn't even block every shot, but it alters the thought process as you drive the lane. And in addition to that, you know, the ability of Marcus Garrett and Devon Dotson and Ochai to stay in front of their men and to make life hard on guys and not to give away, you know, easy routes to the basket. You know, this is the formula for Kansas and for going forward. This is something that can be replicated game in and game out. The only issues you could see would be if Doke gets into foul trouble uh, early in the games, but Doke has really not gotten into foul trouble a ton this season. Yeah, he struggled with fouls against Stanford, uh, but he's been a lot better at not getting drawn into jumping for pump fakes and being uber aggressive when maybe he doesn't need to be aggressive. And I think that this formula is kind of shown in these two stats. Uh, Kansas is at, you know, their block percentage right now is 14.6. That's good for 21st in the country. And then their steal percentage is 12.4%. That's good for 25 in the country. And interesting tidbit about those two stats there is Kansas is one of seven teams to be in the top 25 of both. And Florida State and Duke are the only two high major teams uh, to be in the top 25 of both as well. So you're in real good company right now in your ability to block shots at the rim and get extra possessions from steals. Now, in terms of defensive coverage, you know Kansas did switch one through five uh, in the first half. Uh, West Virginia was able to get Devon Dotson posted up with Oscar and Culver. Uh, it did not work every time, but they were able to draw a couple fouls uh, and get some easy looks inside on the perimeter. Doke did a relatively good job of sticking to his man. He didn't get blown by uh, where all of a sudden he looks, you know, you think about sometimes in the NBA where big men get blown by and it just looks really bad. There were not any of those moments for Doke in the game. Uh, yeah, there was a three-pointer made on a switch where he didn't, he maybe gave a little too much space, but I think you might live with that shot uh, because what happens is, in, you know, conversely, where Doke was able to block someone's shot uh, at the three-point line just because of how big he is that even if he does give you a little bit of space, he can close that space with his size and just how big his wingspan is. And he was able to – that was when he took the ball back. Uh, and We had a little point Doke moment where he took the ball to the rim, got fouled. Uh, something else, just a little side note also, Doke going 5 for 10 from the free-throw line feels like a big deal. Bill Self has said – that he feels like Doke can, you know, shoot around 50%, upwards of 60. Doke's been around in the 30s this season, uh, so I think that was a definitely a welcome sign. Uh, but I think the big picture thing for Doke, too, at the free throw line, home versus away, those splits, very different. He's a lot better shooting free throws at home compared to away so far in his career. Um, but to wrap things up, I think for Kansas, you know, you saw against West Virginia the formula to be successful. Uh, it's you know turning guys over. It's playing real solid defense, and then getting those easy looks inside with Doke, whether that be a post ups, uh, lobs. You know, Kansas didn't make a ton of three pointers, and that's going to be where the variance comes offensively for KU going forward. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you as always for listening to the Fog.net podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And as always, you can find all sorts of great KU basketball and KU football coverage on Fog.net. Got a bunch of really good post-game stories already up on the site. All of the film room coming out on Tuesday. Um, that'll look at something specific from the game that I thought was pretty interesting. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain 97 And with that said, we will talk to you after the Iowa State game.